At ITP, we come from different countries all over the world, speak different languages, and consider different ideas. We, we are, are architects, architects, dancers, mathematicians, mathematicians and, and artists, artists of every, of every kind. kind. For some reason, we all ended up here. From the fourth floor at Tisch, we bring you individual stories about makers and thinkers of ITP as we all learn, create, and of course, occasionally fail. Join us this semester as we go beyond the 10 second class intro. Um, all right, cool. So the first, I think you already know because you listened to that first episode. Right. <laughs> the first question uh, we're usually asking people is, what do you think is something that everyone should see? Okay, I actually did spend some time thinking about this question. It's such a great question. And okay. I was like, um, I guess the book The Giver really, oh, okay. really describes how I feel about this world and how really everyone should see because I feel... For my experience, is um, there's a bigger world out there which is colorful, but sometimes we kind of got stuck into our little black and white grayscale world. And if I really have to say something that everybody should go see, is actually just go to the outside world, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. But how do you how do you explain that? You know, and I guess a good metaphor for that is the giver because they okay. described it. When when do you think was there a time in your life where everything was kind of black and gray or black and white? Yeah, I mean, now when I think of it, it's uh, before I came to the States, when I, was, uh, uh, when I was growing up in China until I was 18. And uh, it wasn't bad, you know, when, it's, when, when I say it's black and white, it sounds terrible. But really, it's just now my mind is more open to more things. Mm -hmm. And it, like, compared to right now, back then was kind of like black and white. And especially at ITP, I feel all these creative energy and all these people loving thing. It's kind of like highly saturated mm. and super colorful. And compared to this, back then was black and white. Mm. It, just, it wasn't bad, you know, but when you're stuck into the environment, you kind of just, you become numb and you get used to everything. You are, you don't really pay attention to the lack of colors. Did you feel like you were that way in high school? Like everything was kind of a yes or no or... It's, oh, okay, it's not really yes or no. I wouldn't say black and white, but a grayscale. It's okay. just nothing was happening, you know? Nothing was happening. I wasn't really caring about anything in the world, and now I care about so many things. And um, I don't know, it's hard to... Well, do, do you remember that first thing that was kind of color to you? Do you remember the first mm -hmm. thing that, was, that you were really passionate about? Um, I think... Um, I mean, I would say... Maybe subjective, maybe objectively, the first thing would be me coming to the States for college. But, okay. I mean, it was really hard at first, you know, when you were 18 and you were thrown into a completely different environment. It was really hard, so I didn't really like it at first, but gradually it, uh, things started happening. So when I, you know, when I first took my art classes in college, I didn't think I was going to be an art major. And uh, when I came to New York in my sophomore year for, uh, for a whole semester to do like art internship, like all these things, they, they were kind of like the first thing. So I, you, I guess art, art slash New York slash traveling. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you came over from China at 18 mm -hmm. and then went to university in the States. Yes. And for undergrad. For undergrad, yeah. And which, what university was it? Kalamazoo College is a small liberal arts college in Michigan. In Michigan. And then, so you went from China to Michigan and then yep. from Michigan to New York City. Yep. Wow, what was that transition like? Um, I think I'm definitely more comfortable in a big city setting. I grew up in a big city, so I'm more, I'm just used to like traffic and people being cold and mm -hmm. indifferent to each other and traffic everywhere. 
so it was great, but really coming to a, in the middle of nowhere, Kalamazoo, Michigan, yeah. that was it was really hard. Yeah, so like for the for my my first two weeks in America, I was just like yelling to myself in my head, "Oh my God, what is going on?" Yeah. You know? It's like every second is a cultural shock. Yeah, I want to hear more about those. I mean, so you went from China to like Midwest America. Yeah, and I had never been outside of China before that. Wow. <laughs> and do you remember when did so when did you get there in like August or when did when did you September, first arrive? Right. So it was cold in Michigan. Uh, it was colder than I expected. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. Also, I, I came from the south southwest of China, which is just weather is just pretty mild and. I go to Michigan, it was snowing for five months every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what were, do you remember any, aside from the weather, as I'm sure that mm -hmm. was kind of a shock, that's not really a culture shock. What did yeah. you feel was a big culture shock for you? It's really everything, every little, every little single thing, every second. Like I, I would, you know how in school we learn English and mm -hmm. the way we greet each other is, how are you? I'm fine, thank you, and you? And I came here, people would ask, people would ask me, hey, what's up? I would really just freeze, you know. I've heard of this before, but how are you supposed to answer to what's up? It took me two weeks to figure out. Oh, you're supposed to say you're supposed to say not much, or hey, I'm going to the library, or yeah. whatever it is, you know. So, and also, you know, I China's a pretty much completely an atheist country. We don't have religion, and I go to a college where the center of the college is pretty much like a church thing, and every single big thing is 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 held in there in a in a church. And also, when you go to the cafeteria, you drink cold water instead of hot water. We drink hot water in China, mm. and uh, I just I don't know every single thing. So imagine that if you don't get used to that and you kind of just start to close yourself up, mm -hmm. it's a uh, it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse. Is there something you miss about uh, Chinese culture? Uh, food, mostly. Food, okay. <laughs> I think that, um, um, I think I've done pretty well adjusting to other cultures, which is really a double-edged double, double sword, you know? I feel like while I'm adjusting to different cultures, I kind of lost part of my you know, roots, or whatever that means, hmm. back in Chinese culture. But I'm happy where I am today, so, um, That's interesting though. So when you go yeah. home, are you like the American girl? Like oh, people, for sure. Oh, we for like, sure. So they're like, you've changed totally, they think. Absolutely. I mean, the funniest part is when I go home, people would say, hey, you kind of look different now. You don't look as Chinese. But the thing is, <laughs> I mean? know, right? But no, the thing is, I look really exactly the same. Hmm. I, I mean, not exactly the same, but I look Chinese. But why? The, the reason people would say that is, so much of your appearance is in your the way you talk, the way you do your makeup, the way you dress, your body language, all of these, you know. And every single part of that has changed since I left China, you know. Body language, how I do my makeup, how I do my hair, how I dress, how I talk to people, how I walk on the street. That's why people think I look less Chinese. So that's, that's very interesting. And so in terms of sense of self, yeah. how, has that been... Have you had struggles between like how your Chinese self develops or how your American self develops, and then how that? What has that process no, been like? Absolutely, I'm still struggling with the identity thing every day. You know, mm. so like, I don't feel I absolutely don't feel completely Chinese now. But of course, I'm not American either. So who am I, or where do I stand in this world? Mm -hmm. And uh, there's like part of me who thinks I'm still Chinese in the end, but should I really grab onto that? Or should I be ashamed that I feel so comfortable in American culture? But I'm not American, you know? So 
which part should I choose, or does it even matter? You know, should I even spend time thinking about, or or should I just you know let it go and live life? I don't know. I'm still struggling with that. <laughs> huh? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. What, what, did you? Was there more culture shock from Michigan to New York? Uh, no, not no, really. No, at that point you were kind of like, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, but you never completely get it. Like still, every day now, I would learn something new. Like uh, to. A week ago, or like five days ago, I went to this shop and I said, "Hey, I want that drink that's mixed lemonade and uh, and iced tea." Uh, the and the girl was like, "Oh, it's Arnold Palmer." I was like, "What? Mm. What the fuck is that?" You know? And it's funny. Yesterday, Arnold Palmer died. Yeah. Did you just see that? That's so weird. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" Right after I discovered that. So yeah. You every, killed Arnold Palmer. I did. <laughs> I did so. You know, every day these kind of new things are happening, and not to mention every day I'm still learning about more about English, the language.、Okay. You know, so like a new word I didn't know before, or a word that I've been used, I, I've been using it wrong, or things like that. It's 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 a constant, non-stop learning process.、Yeah. Um, all right, and what do your what do your parents think you're doing here? Oh, they have no idea. They have no idea. <laughs> They're clueless. But my parents are very supportive. So、um, yeah. I I tried to、uh, explain what VR is to my dad once okay,、yeah. because that's really the thing I could actually explain. You know, if I just say I write something on the computer and so some mirrors move,、mm. they would just be clueless. But I explained VR to my dad, and his first his first answer was, "Oh my God, you can make so much money out of that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's maybe right. Yeah, but I mean,、right. even when I was st- studying studio art in college, my parents were. They were pretty just. They were just. They're just confused about what I'm studying. You know,、hmm. like what.、Uh, you know how I. I think it requires certain knowledge to understand contemporary art. Sure. And if you've never had that experience, like you know, in China, going to the museums, going to the gallery is not a thing. You、hmm. know, it's not a thing. We we lack of cultural experiences in general, but.、Um, So we never had that when I was when I was growing up. So no one really understands what contemporary art is.、Mm. I, even that would take me a while to explain to my mom why is this thing I do called art. You know, I, I, I'm not a painter. You know.、No. Do you care?、Uh, yes and no. I mean, yes because、uh, in Chinese culture, it's like this. There's like this really intense relationship between you and your family.、Okay. So in a way, I do care and I want them to understand and support me whatever I do. But But also at the same time, I just don't. I、sure. do it because I want to. I like it. All right, cool. That's、yeah. it. Thanks for taking the time. Great,、Kelly. thank you. I'm Jed Watson. I'm a second year. Great. It's hard to believe. <laughs> right. <laughs> What originally brought you to ITP?、Uh, I was the last、uh, sort of. Four years have been like a whirlwind because I took a long hiatus from going to college, Got and、it. and then、uh, I was working for a cable company and injured my knee, and and I sort of、um, was like I can't crawl under houses and climb on in attics anymore, so、I、need to find a better job, and so I went back to college、uh, for. Undergrad, I went for film and animation, and、um, but I wanted I, w- I was like going to an art school, and and I wanted I'm like really intrigued with installation art and public art, and 
uh, I liked projection mapping a lot and all the cool things that go along with that, like stage design and stuff like that. And everything that I saw on the internet that I was like, ooh, this is awesome. It was like done by an ITP student. <laughs> so <laughs> You know, you're in the right place. So I was like, I'm going to look at that school. And I, I like almost didn't apply. Uh, like I applied two days before the deadline wow. um, because I was just like, it's so expensive and it's New York and like, I don't think I could afford it. And right. then uh, a couple professors at my school that I was friends with, they, they said, you know, just apply and figure the rest out later. So I, I um, came here to do like interactive installation art and uh, projection mapping and um, video and stuff cool. like that. So yeah. Has there been a teacher that has uh, dramatically influenced you here in your year and a bit? Oh, well, all the, all the professors are really pretty great. Um, uh, I like Andrew a lot. Um, Andrew who? Uh, Lazaro. Um, he's sort of doing a lot of what I would like to be doing, um, only he's doing it in the sort of uh, theater world, and I'd like to like do that stuff in the more like concert or, mm. or public art world. Cool. Um, so a lot of the same mediums that he uses I would like to use, but for a different application. Also, uh, Todd Todd Bryant is uh, is another one. He's doing uh, more VR related stuff now, but he he came from doing projection mapping and um, working with uh, Touch Designer and uh, Unreal Engine and stuff like that. So yeah, that's super interesting. Um, is there a project that you're particularly proud of? Not necessarily from ITP but just in general I've done a couple things at ITP that I've, I've really enjoyed um, I've made a board game that was cool uh, what was it like what was it about walk us through uh, the, the <laughs> subject matter is depressing oh no <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I took uh, the temporary expert which is a fantastic class the people in the class were fantastic nice. um, the subject ma matter is like heart-wrenching and horrible <laughs> <laughs> why is that why uh because it's uh the subject matter is about the environment and like the problems with the environment so like uh and our contribution to those problems Got it. and and uh i got into the class late because i had a registration issue and like i, I was looking for a class to pick up that seemed cool and so i just picked that class up and so I started a week late, so I missed the like draw of the topics, right. and she gave me the great acceleration, which is like all of the topics in one topic. So like, oh, wow. like if you're like, okay, like um, factory farming sucks, and like you know, you're just focused on that one thing. Like you're not. I was focused on all of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, factory farming and water water crisis and like you know coral reefs and and the Global warming and yeah just like all yeah issues. E everything yeah um last semester was really like it was like a really good semester and it was really horrible at the same time because <laughs> i studied ai last semester too so uh -huh. and like the potential 
for existential threat to humanity that is posed by AI. <laughs> so, so I was like looking at like, oh, we're like destroying the environment, and we we might be destroying ourselves as well, <laughs> like in multiple ways. Oh um, I try to be pretty like zen about things i just was like haha this is <laughs> this is funny so did um, you make the board game funny about a uh, difficult topic or i i made it so that you couldn't win it um which is sort of where we are yeah. right now like you like it's got this sort of complicated setup and and like all of the numbers are sourced from this website that's um uh about the Anthropocene and and uh, it's well sourced mm-hmm. and and um, so they did a lot of the work for me so I just kind of like grabbed their concept and sort of like pieced the thing together and made it so that you like if you set it up with today's numbers you don't win like mm. no matter what so you have to go all the way back to the like 1960s numbers wow um, it's really powerful so it was like a, a like you you're like cool i'm gonna play this game and you set it up and you do all the thing and you draw who's going first and like it's collaborative oh it's gonna be awesome we're gonna play together and and like we have to work together to solve the problem and then you get there and you're like we can't solve it because we've already lost so yeah that that's a project that i am proud of that i've done here i shot a documentary um in undergrad for uh about the lost colony um that aired on pbs right before i came here um so that's another project that's pretty cool that yeah, i was proud that of fantastic. <laughs> good for you congratulations getting it on pbs that's not... yeah well, well it turns out that pbs is like really easy to sell no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, like you just get, if you're giving it to them they're like cool <laughs> <laughs> long as there's no swear words yeah yeah right like so so like we had to like mine the stuff and make sure that we like did all the legal stuff for them well that's a huge amount of work uh yeah well uh, we had the university helping us uh like the university had pretty good lawyers but (laughs) and what school what university did you go to uh i went to east carolina university um it's a it's a really cool school because it's like surrounded by farmland and and like very sort of conservative people but it's a it's a like fairly liberal art school and uh in the middle of i was gonna say how, how does that happen how does that work having a liberal uh, art school in well, a conservative it, area it started as a teacher school okay and so uh it used to be called e- uh east carolina teachers college and um and then this the state sort of like fostered that along and, and then it became a university but it's a cool place um, sunsets are great because <laughs> it's all farmland, so right. like you can see you see for miles. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, what do your parents think you're doing here? <laughs> My dad doesn't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I don't know why you wanted to go to New York. <laughs> like, how do they describe it to their friends? Um, do you know? My mom points at the Olympics. She says the opening ceremony like what's going on on the ground that's what jed's studying that's like projection mapping right um, that's a good that's a great example to use uh, yeah and i uh, it's taken a couple years for me to like like this is what i want to do like look at this this and this and this right. and so she has examples now and like 
her friends now contact her and like, is this what Jen's doing? <laughs> <laughs> my my dad, uh, he's he's re- he's really sweet about it, but he's like he he's like a theoretical mathematician and he teaches like college math and <laughs> high school math and he just doesn't uh, like he literally doesn't understand what art is about he's just like i just don't get it i don't I, like he he's very analytical so he doesn't see the like meta like how this is a metaphor for this other thing you know got like, it so just like the core concepts of art and the approaches of art right is, is right like like my board game he's like i don't get it that this is a metaphor for why we are screwed right now <laughs> uh, he's like why would you make a game that you can't play <laughs> I'm like, it's a metaphor, man. <laughs> it's the definition of a metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's but it's fun though. Like I like he gives me crap for being like uh uh granola. It's like, <laughs> like I like I'm not granola. No, you're not. I, I know a lot of granolas. I, I know granola. <laughs> But uh, it's like my mom's like great. She's like you could do no wrong. Like yeah, it's like perfect. The, so I can I can't trust her opinion. <laughs> but, <laughs> but she'll support you. But she'll support me no matter what. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so, well, that's sweet. So yeah. Thank you. I think we're at time. feel like today more than any other day is a good day to get how Nancy thinks about things. Oh god. How are you feeling? Well actually first let's state your name. My name is Nancy Heckinger. Cool. What do you do at ITP again? I <laughs> teach at ITP. I teach the applications class for all the first years. I sort of get you when you come in and then I'm the area head for thesis so I push you out so it's kind of bookends and I teach a class called Cabinet of Wonders which is about how technologies may or may not be affecting uh, the design of exhibits and museums. If you had to pull a number out, how many students have you seen and advised and teached? Gosh. Throw a number out. I don't know. Let's see. So I've been here about 14 years. I've taught um, applications for the last five, so that's about 500 and something. I don't know. Probably, you know... I don't know, maybe 800-something, yeah, 700? I mentioned that because I can't help but wonder. There are two things that I know about Nancy, having taken applications with you. One, you know so much about books, like the, when you pull references out of like, so there's this quote on this book and just the reference point. Me and Alex are always amazed. Yeah. <laughs> and two, you're incredibly connected, mm-hmm. partly because you've taught and you've advise so many great people mm-hmm. here and you just kind of know like the kind of things that's been explored experimented here that's the <clears throat> that's probably the extent i'll go with itp because i think that yeah. kind of pretty much embodies the nancy that i know what's interesting about this whole project was kind of just getting to know people yeah. on the floor stories from the right. floor today marks a very special day and then uh, that's why i'll go back to that question of like so how are you feeling when you think about the future um, what do you think of what, what has come to mind since waking up this morning? Well, I think, you know, this being the day after the election, I would say that I feel honestly devastated, um, a little despairing, um, and sort of 
in a lot of shock. I mean, I'm in shock because I can't, I honestly, it's hard to imagine anyone voting for somebody so incompetent and so uninterested in what he was doing and who took the whole <clears throat> campaign almost like it was a reality TV show. Um, but um, my sister sent me this thing this morning, this quote, that Anna Freud said to somebody who was lamenting about the fate of the world. It says, I agree with you wholeheartedly that things are not as we would like them to be. However, my feeling is that there's only one way to deal with it, namely to be all right with oneself and to try to create around one at least a small circle where matters are arranged as one wants them to be. I think, you know, I think I felt like I wanted to come into school today. I mean, I had to, but I really felt like we may be living in a bubble, but I love our bubble. It's full of kindness. Its values are good. It, it, it has great generosity towards all kinds of people. And um, I feel like sharing that bubble, too. And I want to expand the bubble. But um, I'm... I don't know. It's I'm almost speechless. Um, yeah. You know, I have been through, you know, I'm old enough that I've been through a lot of really shocking stuff politically. Yeah. I remember when Reagan was elected, I was like, what? You know, I, I remember, you know, anyway. I do. But actually, I mean, I, I want to play naive a little bit for a second yeah. because I wasn't around, obviously, when Reagan was elected. Yeah. I, but right. uh, So draw the parallels, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I am a history buff to some extent, but like, what are the parallels that are you seeing that when Reagan was elected that you think, ah, oh, this, here we go again? Well, I think that there's some part of this, this bubble issue, right? Yeah. Um, it, and it's more so now, but um, <clears throat> the, um, the bubble issue is that you tend to be around people who are like you. So I didn't know really anybody who would be for Reagan, whose whole platform was very much for the rich, was really, um, I think Carter even said, it makes us comfortable with our prejudices, you know, um, wanted to roll back a whole bunch of civil rights, wanted to, um, you know, and, and things he ended up doing, you know, throwing people who were in mental institutions out on the street, causing a whole, you know, homelessness crisis and just, you know, basically a restriction of freedom. Um, and. Um, I couldn't believe anybody would, I, I just couldn't believe so many people disagreed with me. And could be so wrong. <laughs> no. Um, no, it's funny because I actually earlier today watched President Obama finally address President-elect Donald Trump. And in his so elegant way, Obama just talked about like, he just has a way of rationalizing things. He's like, this is politics. Mm -hmm. It's tough. You know, we, you know, we have our beliefs. And then one day we think other people share the same beliefs, and then we're wrong. And then he just describes it as like, we grieve, we sort of, he didn't really use the word grieve, mm -hmm. but he goes, we brush ourselves off, and then we enter the arena and we fight again. Right. Well, here's the thing. Having said, I mean, if you, we can go in through history, I'm happy yeah. to do that. I mean, I grew up in Washington, D.C., so I think I'm apologizing. But... The reason, one of the reasons I wanted to come in is that, you know, I think that what we have to do is figure out how to work now and what do we work at. And so 
keep, we can go yell and scream, but I don't think vengeance is our mode. I think the idea is how do we, there's, there's a real separation now in the country. There's I and them, you know, we and they. And, you know, I saw Van Jones the other night really going into a, a Trump supporter's family and said, how do we become enemies? How do we learn to disagree? And that's kind of why I wanted to start the conversation uh, stuff that we do on Friday, just putting forward ideas for people to talk about that there are different ideas. And every week there have been people who disagree, but if we can learn to disagree with each other and argue civilly, I think, and we have to start with ourselves. So that, um, and you have to find, you know, what part of the system do you want to go after? I was talking to my daughter about this. What can I do? What can I do? Well, I mean, you can't do everything. Yeah. But is education what's really important to you? Is, you know, Planned Parenthood important? Is gay rights important? You, what you, I mean, all of them can be important, but there has to be something that grabs you. There also has to be what's been enlightening for me. Well, con conversing with people is really easy for me, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah. what I've learned, true and true, is conversing for others isn't. Really, it doesn't come naturally to them. Mm. So imagine inserting hot topics into that, and then I think it becomes a harder conversation to have between two people. And like like you said, it just begins with a conversation with people. Like, yeah. hey, let's talk about this. What do you think? Well, if you talk to somebody face-to-face, -face, you know, there are a lot of people who have people in their family who are very different, you know, especially yeah. intergenerationally there may be people, and you love them even though they may have said racist things or they've said terrible homophobic things or that they voted for you can't believe that they would vote for this person or that. Yeah. So I think, I think um, you know, we really have to think about that. I mean, knowing you, I know the thing about you is that you <clears throat> want to jump in and do everything. Yeah. And you really like to take part and to participate. And if you can use, I mean, I don't know, this therapy session here um, you know that I've always you're getting, right. getting people and get, getting being involved and being so enthusiastic and then getting other people to be is a great talent and that's what's needed you know in the world and you know we have to learn even in our own little you know community bubble here lots of different kinds of people from different places um, sometimes they're a little bit of cliques the people who don't speak up in class how do we get them to speak up yeah um, yeah how many books do you read a year oh my goodness throw a number out we don't know this isn't numbers lied to us last night we don't have to, we don't have to stay true to this well now I have a different ways that I read books so I read some books as books and I okay. read some books I listen to Oh, ones okay. that I don't think you know that because I walk to work, so I live about a mile and a half away. So Got I walk it. to and fro. I listen to either podcast or book. Um, I'm in a book club with a group of friends that we reading old fashioned a lot of old books. I don't know. I probably read I don't know, maybe thirty or forty books a year, something like that. That's pretty good. But if you do that for you know thirty years or forty years, that's a lot of books. You built a good discipline, yeah. Yeah, and before I came to ITP, um, you know, I was. Um, I kind of made a living, just like what Robert Kowalski was talking about last night about asking questions. So I always came in. I, I worked in exhibits, you know, for museums, and I worked in curricular things in education. So I always had to learn something, so that I could teach something, you know. So like, if you have to write a book on psych, I wrote a textbook on psychology. I ghost wrote a textbook on psychology. Oh, wow. Now I had never taken a course in psychology, so I was working with a scientist. 
and he would take some ideas and write them up, and then I would rewrite them, you yeah. know, make them more Englishy. Um, <laughs> but you know, through that whole thing, I really it was like taking a graduate course in psychology to yeah. to write the book. And, you know, the same when I was at the Museum of Natural History. I mean, to write a book on geology for high school students, you have to learn something about earth sciences. Yeah. Am I hearing a little admission of what you've observed about my personality? Is like I'm interested in so many things. Yeah. You know, at first glance, I kind of think about that as like, oh man, that's a bad thing. The sort of jack of all trades expression comes to mind. Right. That well, I don't know. I mean, I, I've always, I mean, I've, I've always done that. And in a way, I think, I think it's, you know, you have to know what kind of person you are. Yeah. So I really like starting things and getting them going. I don't think I'm good operationally. I mean, you know, when I, I was the director of something called the National Center for Science, Literacy, Education, and Technology, <laughs> and it was fun from, you know, from square one. It was nothing, and then you build it up, and it's a great big thing, and then it's like, oh, and now I know how to do it. So so, so then, you know, I left that. That was the museum. I left somebody in flight, you know, trained somebody, trained, but I mean, I had somebody working with me who yeah. could take over, and I'm very proud of what I accomplished. So. Until I came to ITP, I would say that I worked in three to five year uh, cycles. Cycles, and and um, he was thinking, God, what is this? You know, my dad has worked in the same place all his life. People are supposed to say, this is what I'm going to be and continue, yeah. and I never was like that. So I thought, you know, I'm a quitter. It's like an introspective sort of conversation. I yeah, I was going like, well, I'm a quitter. Why can't I find it? I'm so promiscuous, you know, whatever. And then I realized, no, I just reframed it. I'm a project person. So I like that. So I worked on the Museum for Technology. I worked at Apple on, you know, uh, beginnings of multimedia. I developed the Museum of American History. You know, I wrote articles for science magazines. I wrote the book. I mean, all of those things somehow, if I look back on it, make some sense. But as I lived it, it certainly wasn't linear. Yeah. You know, but I generally tended to go, I never cared about whether I was first entry level and then I was a vice president or anything like that. I just always was drawn by whatever interested me. Yeah. And that worked for me. And I think if you can do that, if you know you're a project person versus some people get, you know, might want to be at a place and, and really build the company out and they like the operational parts. It just sort of wasn't me. But if you can do that without, um, you know, putting your family at risk. Um, you know, I've had kids most of my life. So as far as I know, so that was always the number one thing. So I always had a wonderful career. It's kind of what I did. Sometimes I was the boss, and sometimes I was a designer on staff. Sometimes I was the lowest level. Sometimes I was a consultant. But um, you know, I always had to be really excited about what I was learning. And um, and you know, and I had I had two children. And I had two children to support. So and a husband various times to support. So um, that's yeah. inspirational, though. Because huh? I think that's inspirational in, in ways that I think, I mean, it, it, it lives in ITP, but this whole collaborative nation, nature of things, yeah. too, is also... I think what design is like. I think it's really important for people at ITP to think about the fact that when you leave here, you have... I know there, there are loans. And there are jobs that require certain skills. Right, but I would always start... I think of life should be like a treasure hunt. I think your education should be a treasure hunt. I think your life should be, what do I want to know? What's the good thing here? Where's my best friend? Is that best friend here? Where's the love of my life? Is he or she there? What do I want to do with my life? Oh, that looks like a nice shiny jewel over there. And so you can do it. And, and especially, you're coming out of here with a lot of skills, but maybe not a lot of experience. 
So there's some dues to pay. Yeah. Make sure the places you go are giving you what you need, which may include, you know, a good thing on your resume, but just knowing how to cooperate or collaborate with people in the world. And then when that jewel doesn't look so shiny anymore, because there's always a time where things are really cool, and then there's politics and politics. You know, yeah. if there's a time where the politics are worse than the what you're getting out of it, you go somewhere else. Yeah. But with you know, before you have kids, it's easier. Yeah. Right. But it's possible when you there is life after birth. So you know, when you after you have children, you can still do it. It's just a sense of um, you're going to be coming out of here with you know, remarkable opportunities. And so you have to find the opportunity that you care about, not just the first one that, you know, hits you in the face. Definitely. That's almost like so poetic and unscripted that we're going to end there. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of ITP's podcast. Stay tuned for next week where we're going to introduce more students and their stories. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to be a part of it, reach out to Alex Fast, Chris Hall, Patrick Presto, or Laura Carey. We'll see you next week.